Welcome to the Saints Online Podcast, where we are sharing stories of faith and bringing discipleship to life here in Fenton. As always, I am Alan Day, and I'm joined again today by Sarah Smith. And today we are wrapping up our Lenten series, and we're talking about Holy Week and what goes on in Holy Week, um, not just logistically here at the parish, but what happens during Holy Week in terms of the story of Jesus' life and, and what's going on in Scripture. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to break down each day, and uh, it's going to be good. I'm excited. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So set us up a little bit, Sarah. What What is going on here? What are these diagrams that nobody can see except for us? Uh, what's going on? So for each day in Holy Week, there was a scriptural something that happened. Jesus is doing something. Okay. And so I'm trying to have a practical activity that you and the family members can do at home okay. to kind of like get fun with the scriptures, I guess, Okay. and like act it out. Sweet. So let's start, uh, let's start with Sunday. So we're going to start with Palm Sunday and what happens there. Uh, and I'll break down a little bit of what's going on during Holy Week. And then you hit us with what that fun activity is. Because that's your jam. That's my jam. All right, that's your jam. Okay, so Palm Sunday, that's when we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, right? And um, the the crowds are laying palm branches on the ground, and Jesus rides in on the donkey, and people are shouting, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. And on Palm Sunday uh, in the church, that's when we gather all the kids together, and we give them palms, and we let them process around uh, the church singing that, right? Hosanna in the highest. So. What can we do at home to really bring Palm Sunday to life? Right. Well, continue that fun. I mean, so go for a nature walk with a family. And, like, my kids will, like, go find some branch with the most leaves they can find. I mean, granted, the branches' leaves are going to be all withery. But, you know, hey, you can find what you can find. (laughs) And then you just walk through the forest and go, Hosanna the highest, or something like that. Especially when they're little, this is a lot of fun. It does, it does not take my kids long to find something to wave around and like hit somebody else with. So there's plenty of sticks in the yard that we are, we are absolutely going to do that. In fact, yeah. we sort of did that this morning, but um, we'll do that Palm Sunday now. I like that. Yeah. I remember one Palm Sunday two years ago where we were in a palmetto forest. Yeah. And so we we're actually having palms and we walked through the forest on Palm Sunday and we did that. And that, for me, that was the most memorable Palm Sunday ever. Nice. I often like to go visit those pictures and be like, that was a good Palm Sunday. That's awesome. Now, see, I will say, having lived in Michigan now for, oh, what are we coming on? Five years? Almost six years now? Something like that. I don't know. It's been a while. It did not occur to me that, like, I took palms for granted mm-hmm. because growing up in California, they were everywhere. Right? There yeah. was palm trees everywhere. In fact, we had some in our yard, have some in our, our yard, and... um in Michigan, there's just, there's no palms. No. You literally have to order them in packages, and they come sealed up. And if you accidentally crack it open too early, they dry out by Palm Sunday. And mm. It's no bueno. So, <laughs> no. Uh, I like that. I like that palms. Yeah, and then a good practice to have every day in Holy Week, no matter what day it is, is to add more family prayer time to set and differentiate this week from all the other weeks of the year. Ooh, that's really good. So it's setting it apart. Yes. Even if you're already praying, you dive in a little bit deeper. A little bit more. I like it. That's good. All right, so let's jump over. So we're, we're talking about Holy Week, and we know scripturally, historically, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're on target. So tell me what's going on here with Monday and Tuesday. Um, 
because uh, do these fall in line? So we're talking here on Monday, we're talking about Jesus overturning tables in the temple. Uh, we're talking on, on Tuesday about Jesus teaching in the temple. So historically, timeline-wise, like how does this line up with what's going on in Holy Week? Where does this come from on this, this graph and diagram? Why are we encouraging families to specifically celebrate these things or focus on these things throughout Holy Week? Right. Well, we know that Jesus would have visited the temple during Holy Week. That's just what a good Jew would have done, you know. Um, so having the scripture passage where we go into the temple and Jesus is overturning the tables and he has such a zeal for his temple and what it's supposed to be used for, that's also giving us, like, we should have a zeal for our own church and for our own faith. So, I like that. So what is something that we can do at home to try to emphasize that? that point of, uh, you know, being reverent in the temple, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So our own homes are domestic church. So a great thing to do is our spring cleaning at that time, you know, preparing our heart for Easter and preparing our home for Easter. So doing that little bit of housework and working together. So you're, you know, having a unity and getting ready to decorate it and make it. So you're symbolizing and you're actually physically making your house and home ready for Easter. Wow. So that physical change. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. I, let's see, Monday? Yeah, and then also unplug. I don't think unplug- my wife's working that day. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could actually pull that off in our house. Right, and then unplugging from stuff that's distracting you from Holy Week. So like, you know, Ooh, are you? Are flip you? the tables on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> Shut it down for the day. I like Shut that. Shut it down. Like, well, there's all sorts of things that could distract you. It's true. You know, like yep. um, watching sports because it's March Madness. Are you getting too much into the madness? or? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I used to when I was younger. I don't yeah. so much anymore. Yeah. I, I wish I was that guy that got into it, but I'm just, I'm, that's for some reason not something my brain can really keep track of. There's a lot of other things to keep track of in my head. And I'm, and I'm not knocking guys that do. I'm just, that's just not where I'm at. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, but that's a good analogy. You just, you know, take those things out that are, uh, you know, in a sense, those things that we're selling in the temple, you know, the temple yes. of our bodies and what is it that we're selling instead of what Jesus is trying to use that temple for. Exactly. Like Very cool. So that's that's going to be Holy Monday. So Holy Tuesday, this is where we talk about uh, Jesus returns to the temple and he teaches and he, uh, you know, preaches the kingdom and he gives us this new commandment. So what is that? Where does that come from scripturally and what can we do to celebrate that at home? Right. Like if you're in John, he, and you're right before um, Jesus dying on the cross and all that, those are actually his teachings that he's doing is love one another as I have loved you. He's saying, I'm not going to be here much longer. He's like, so this is, this is what you need to do once I'm gone. Yeah. So taking time to look at those scriptures and act them out. So, as a family, you can talk about, like, how can we as a family and as individuals in this family love one another more? How can we and love others like God loves us? You know, that's that can be the topic, and then you guys can act it out. And littles can do this as well as sure. teens. And this is not, like, something that stops or there's barriers based on age. Right. So and like every family, every household is going to look a little bit different in how you you live that out. So what are some of your pointers for different age groups? Yeah, like the littles, they can they can give hugs. 
because they're totally capable of hugs. And they love doing it. They love it. <laughs> and they're they're so good at it. And that then my kids give the sweetest hugs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then like um, early grade schoolers, they can make pictures because they like to show off their artwork. Mm-hmm. And olders can write notes, but they can also do works of service too, like help, you know, um, your younger siblings do something that they couldn't do, share more, you know, bring a glass of water to your parent, you know, or just do that little chore without asking. You know, that can be said also for the middle schoolers or the high schoolers. Those are easy and simple enough. But then they can also do bigger works of service that require more effort and energy because they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Awesome. Holy Thursday. So, or I'm sorry, that's Tuesday. And then we dive into Holy Wednesday. This is kind of a fun one. I think you've you've already mentioned this previously on the podcast, but we'll circle back to it for sure because it's cool. Uh, you have this listed as Spy Wednesday because yeah. this is where this is the day where Judas Judas uh, agrees to hand Jesus over for thirty pieces of silver. So, what is your what's your thing? Why is this Spy Wednesday? What is it that you do in your house? Yeah, because he's like the spy in the with the disciples. Like he knows who Jesus is. So he's going to deliver them by giving a secret coded message to those, you know, to betray Jesus with a kiss. You know, that's like the spy part. (laughs) It's a low blow, right? Yeah. Betraying him with a kiss, uh, which is typically a sign of affection, but that's his way of signaling, nope, this is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. So how do you, how do you, you betray your children from what I hear every (laughs) Holy Wednesday in, in a similar way. So what is it that you do in your house? So I hide silver pieces. So you can go quarters. You can do half dollars, whatever you want. Chocolate-covered coins. Chocolate-covered <laughs> coins, yeah, like 30 silver something. And then you hide them around. I usually try to keep it in a certain section of the house because it can get crazy. First off, it's going to get crazy. There's going to be a frenzy, and there's just going to be like, I got to get the coins, I got to get the coins, got to get the coins. And, you know, they do this every year, and they follow – into the same trap of greed, of mm. getting the most yeah. and getting them first. And so after they've collected all the coins and you counted and made sure there's 30, then you say, okay. And you point out the frenzy and the greed. And they're just like, oh, yeah, every year. And you could talk about how Judas felt that same greed. Yeah. Like, because I think... We can be like, oh, Jesus is the bad guy, and not, not give him, not see how easy it is for us to be like Judas. Right. And then Fall into those same traps. Same traps. Mm-hmm. And so that that betrayal, we, we are capable of too. Right. And those silver pieces of, of greed that we have just, I mean, they're just coins. They don't really mean much, really, in the big picture of things. Right. Especially nowadays. 30 <laughs> quarters won't get you very far. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll still be frenzy for it. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but totally. That's why last year I put bumped it up to half dollars. Oh, nice. Yeah. Up the ante a little bit. Up the ante. Tricked them. Like, look, I did something nice for you. But you're going to learn a lesson at the end. <laughs> yes. Psych. <laughs> that's the betrayal. I like it. Um, I don't like it, but I, I like the... Analogy. I like the, yeah, you get what I'm getting at. Right. But the beauty of it last year, um, Summer and her leadership, she got the most coins. She usually gets the most coins. And 
she's like, okay, I'm going to donate all this money. I mean, it's not a whole lot, but, and then the siblings were like, I guess we will too. That's good leadership. That is good leadership. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So let's dive in. Now we've got Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we're getting close to Easter. We're getting into what, you know, what we see liturgically, what is very prominent in Holy Week. We've got Holy Thursday. And so this is where we celebrate the Last Supper. And so Jesus sits down with his apostles and they're, they're eating Jesus' Last Supper, right? And he's preparing them for, you know, what's to come. This is where my favorite scripture verse comes in, right? Jesus says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Uh, so how can we... Uh, and then after the Last Supper, he goes out to pray in the Garden of Geth- Gethsemane, right? Which we have that very um, very notable moment in Scripture where, where Christ, uh, literally, he he's so distressed that he, you know, mm-hmm. drops of blood uh, pour from his, his, his skin, right? Uh, so how can we leverage this at home to try to really dive deeper as a family, as individuals, into what's happening here on Holy Thursday? Right. So I say acting out the Last Supper. Because mm-hmm. Jesus started by washing the feet of his disciples. So humbling our own selves like Christ did and washing each other's feet. And you will. We only done this once. And I almost don't want to do it again because it's, it was so perfect that time we did it. Mm. Where it was so humbling that nobody felt worthy to wash the other one's feet. And there wasn't any giggling and all that that I thought was going to happen. Sure. I thought it was going to be like a giggle fest and there was just going to be craziness. But everybody did it. And they liked acting out the the scripture. So, I mean, at other families, hey, if there's giggling, it doesn't mean that something wasn't going in. Right. Yeah. We actually, we did this when I I used to work on the program called Totus Tuus in the Archdiocese of Denver. And the first time I went through training – our director surprised us with this, right? And at the end of training, when we're being commissioned to go out and actually do what we've just been, spent 10 days training to do, um, he sat all the teams down and he washed their feet, uh, just like you would see on Holy Thursday as this kind of symbol of, of um, you know, preparation and, and service, servant leadership and, uh, and all of that, the beautiful things that are symbolized in that. And it was really humbling for me because I had just, as weird side tangent, but I had just bought new socks for that summer because I'm like, I'm going to be working hard. I'm going to need some comfortable socks. And you know what happens when you have new socks. They like leave all kinds of junk on your feet. So I was like really embarrassed to do this, but it was a very humbling moment. Um, and it ended up being like, I thought when he it told us what was going to happen, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be really awkward. But it was actually, it ended up, like you said, it ended up being really beautiful, really symbolic and really um, a kind of a special time. Um, for us to take a step back in humility and be served in that way. And it was really, really cool. It was very moving. So yeah, absolutely. I would, that's, uh, that's definitely something that we can very easily do at home to, to kind of recount this, but what else can we do for Holy Thursday? Cause there's a lot going on on Holy Thursday. Right. And then eating a traditional Siddhar, right? Siddhar? I've always heard Seder. 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 Yeah. Seder. That's what it is. It's Seder. <laughs> it could be Seder. I don't know. I don't know. You know I'm not what? a linguistics expert. So. I make my own pronunciations all the time. It, debris and derbis. That's one of the ones I do. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I haven't heard that. I've heard a lot of weird like... Sarahisms? No, just language differences between California and Michigan and different pronunciation of stuff. But I've not heard that one. So a new one for me. <laughs> well, I think I'm the only one that says that one. 
So Seder, Seder meal. Um, and what does that entail? What does that consist right. of? Yeah. So the whole purpose of the Passover, traditional Passover meal, is to remember the different things that um, the suffering that the Israelites had during their slavery under the Egyptians. Right. So there's the boiled egg, which symbolizes the Passover sacrifice, but also is a symbol of spring. Okay. And then there's like a shank bone, which is another symbol for the Passover sacrifice. So that lamb that was sacrificed and the blood that was over the lintel. So, so there's a boiled egg, a bone. I mean, it can be any bone. I mean, just put it on a plate. You don't have to be crazy with this. I mean, just you need to have like one egg, one bone. And then the other thing you do is um, bitter herbs. So, and that's to be the bitterness okay. of the Egyptian slavery. The other bitterness is from a piece of romaine lettuce. Okay. That's the other different. So you have bitter herbs and you have bitter lettuce. Okay. And then there's also parsley. And the parsley you dip in salt water. And that's supposed to symbolize the tears shed under the slavery. Interesting. So this is, so we're actually, this is something that traditional Jews would do because what we're actually doing is reenacting this is the Passover supper. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and we're, but we, it's called the Seder meal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's one more thing. It's kind of like a, a mixture. Gotcha. So it's a mixture of like apples, nuts, spices, and wine. And, okay. And the whole symbolism of that mixture is the mortar that they had to make and mix up to create all of the Egyptian structures that okay. they had to do um, under their Jewish, I mean, the Egyptian slavery. Got you. Okay. So there's a lot of cute symbolism there. I don't know about cute, but, you know. Significant symbolism. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. So where can we go to find some more resources on how to do this um, in kind of a real traditional way? Oh, well, you can just Google it. I mean, and there's plenty of YouTube videos out there. And if, okay. let's say, okay, you wanted to do all this and you wanted to make a cute little plate and have like one of all these things and do it. And then, it, oh my gosh, I'm making dinner right now and I don't have this stuff. Well, guess what? You can just put on a little two minute video to talk about it. And that's good too. I mean, anything where we can kind of get to know what Jesus experienced on Passover, that's still a learning tool. Yeah, absolutely. So give yourself some grace. And two-minute video is just as good if that's what all you can do this year. Because guess what? You're still doing something more than you did before. Right. Absolutely. That's what incremental progress. Yes. I like it. Okay. So moving from Holy Thursday, we jump into, uh, well, there's actually more for Holy Thursday. So after the Seder meal, we have Jesus, uh, the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. So is there more for that? And, and how we can dive into Holy Thursday. As we get closer to Easter, this gets more intense, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you could always pray together yeah. as a group, as a family. You know, Jesus asked the apostles to pray with him, and you know, but they did what? They fell asleep. So maybe so as is, a is this the night where you ask your kids, we're going to stay up until midnight praying. <laughs> you challenge them to, st to stay awake through prayer. I, would, I don't know if I would make it, quite honestly. Like, let's pray the rosary till midnight. I'd be done by like decade two. I'd be a terrible example is really what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to. Yeah. No. No, don't do that. Okay. I don't think that even I could get my kids to do too much prayer like that. If anything, I might ruin it for them. 
But yeah. we do, we actually, as a parish, we do something really cool because we have a few people that on Wednesday, they'll go into the gathering space of the church and they basically rebuild the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. And uh, it's really cool because what will happen is after the liturgy on Holy Thursday, all of the Eucharist that is on reserve is placed in a tabernacle in the Garden of Gethsemane. So yes. parishioners can then go and pray in that garden. There's seats set up and... Uh, and it's like it literally like there's artificial plants built up around a uh, a whole scene, right? And you can go in and you can pray in Eucharistic adoration. Um, is I think it's even available through the night, isn't it? Or do, I don't remember. I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. Check check our schedules. But <laughs> at we, some point, the church may shut down. Yeah, so. we went to that last year. Yeah, and it was beautiful. And the kids were like, "Is it always like this, Mom? How come we haven't mm-hmm. done this before?" And I'm like, "Well, we're doing it this year. We can make it a tradition, guys." Yeah. They really liked it last year. It is. It's a really cool thing. It's very busy right after the liturgy ends on Thursday, but um, if you filter in a little bit later, there's fewer people there, and it is. It can be a really powerful experience. So yeah, it's so pretty, it and there's stillness that comes over you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and quiet. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot about internal quiet, and that's a good opportunity, a good place to find it this year. So yeah, check out the Garden of Gethsemane in the gathering space this year. All right, so let's jump over. I think I think we have stretched Holy Thursday as far as we possibly can. So let's jump over to Good Friday, um, and this is where we basically um, re- reenact liturgically. We uh, celebrate, in a sense, all of the things that occurred in you know the devotion that we call the Stations of the Cross. Right. So this is Jesus' actual persecution and his uh, his flogging and his carrying of the cross all the way up to Calvary. Um, and that scene where he's actually raised up on the cross, and the, the interactions between him and the uh, the thieves, the thieves on either side of him. I'm hitting everything here, <laughs> starting to talk with my hands, getting out of control. All right, so uh, so what can we do at home to really dive into what's happening on Good Friday? Yeah, and this activity, I have to take credit for my mother. When I was growing up, from noon until three, because those are the hours that Christ was on the cross, we had to be silent. Mm. I like that. Yes. And we had to fast from TV because there was no other electronics. To modernize it, I'd be all electronics. Right. And so we had to be quiet and still and without our beloved TV because it's always was no day of school on Good Friday. Sure. So I would ask for that, to set apart that time from noon till three to, to be silent in the sadness and fasting for our Lord. Now, a lot of people, especially recently, I, I don't know what it is, but I've heard a lot of people talk about the struggle with, like, in a sense, being at peace with negative things, so to speak, or like uh, mourning and suffering. And um, this, I think, and maybe you can help me expand on this, but... Um, this is a really good opportunity to allow yourself to enter into the sadness and kind of the misery and the distress of what's occurring in that moment. And a lot of people, like including me for a long time, didn't necessarily focus on the importance of that or didn't understand the importance of that or why is like, why would we enter into misery um, knowingly and willingly and willfully? But what that actually enables us to do when we look at it from that perspective is in a sense, grow in empathy. And that's just good for us all around, period. 
But when we really look at who Christ is and what he did for us, and we enter into the misery of that moment, we're in a sense allowing ourselves to grieve along with his mother and his apostles and you know, John, who is a close apostle of his, they're, they're all there in this moment. They're all witnessing this occur. And all of those people that he helped and he healed and he ministered to, and he had a huge impact on their life, we're grieving. We're entering into that grieving with them. And so we're allowing ourselves to feel these negative emotions for the sake of spiritual growth. Is that does that sound like it's on par with what we're doing on Good Friday? Like, to me, that's kind of the mode of Holy Week. Um, but especially Good Friday, and like you said, entering into that silence um, it really allows us to to feel that emotion, and we have to be okay with that, right? Yes, but also I think if there's a brighter side to that too. We're, Christ is our example, right? Mm-hmm. And he willingly, I mean, he's God. Yeah. He He could do anything, and he willingly did that. Willingly allowed himself to be put on a cross. So I think there's also like, a time of contemplation about that. And we are allowing ourselves willingly to enter into that suffering and sadness, as you put it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got to do it willingly too. Absolutely. Good Friday is such a, a spiritually profound day, you know, and I, there's a lot of other like, uh, Catholic rites and, um, even Christian rites in general, that really dive into Holy Week in a different way mm. um, that's much more somber and profound. And um, I think that's almost something that we've lost in in a lot of our westernized culture. And, and uh, so Good Friday is a really good way to sort of rec- reclaim some of that and uh, take it in bits and pieces, so right. to speak, which is kind of the theme of this Lent. It's just incremental progress, bits and pieces, mm-hmm. take it as you can. Yeah, um, and doing no, like stations— that. In the cross sometime mm-hmm. that day too as a family is excellent i mean whether you're coming to doing it here at church or you do it with a video online or you just have little booklets or at home you know or print off something from online there's lots of versions online that you can do with the kids right and just or you can just say the name of the station and say we adore you O christ we praise you and then everyone chimes in because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Especially with littles, yeah. that's good enough. Right. Just acknowledging what occurred that day. Right. And getting comfy cozy with it. Right. So as they progress in age, you can expand the length and the devotion of the Stations of the Cross. Sure. That's really awesome. Uh, wonderful. So let's jump then. After Friday, we have Saturday. This is the day that Jesus... Uh, it dies and is brought to the tomb and is laid in the tomb. And uh, so what can we do at home to really dive into that mystery? Right. So there's something that I liked. There's resurrection rolls. No, resurrection cookies, which you can, they're like meringue cookies. Okay. okay. So you have the oven hot and you're whipping up every the cookie themselves and making the meringue cookie. And then you put them in the oven. You close the door, turn off the oven. And they sit there interesting, until Christmas, Easter morning. And then when you open up the tomb, you know, because the oven's the tomb, then you get the cookies on Sunday morning. So that's always fun because they have to wait just like the apostles had to wait for the resurrection. Interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 
I haven't come across that one yet. Yeah, I like it, that tradition. It is. It it's tough. Sure. Because they turn on the light in <laughs> the oven. They're like they're still in there. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's other ones you could do hot cross buns, and then you have to wait till the next day to eat them. And there's that whole like, oh, it's so hard to wait, you know. But they had to wait. Yeah. They were sad, but they had to wait. Um, Easter eggs, you can make Easter eggs. And again, you got to wait on those. And then um, the other fun one that you can do on Sunday morning is empty tomb cookies. So these are like you take a crescent roll. Okay. And you dip it in butter and sugar and cinnamon. I like where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> Tastiness, right? <laughs> and you wrap it around a marshmallow. Okay. The, the bigger, the better. Nice. And then you put it in the oven and you cook those up. And this is what you do on Easter morning. Okay. Okay, because they don't last as long as some of the other cookies do. And after they've been cooked and you have them out, they're empty. Oh, because all the marshmallow is melted away. Yes. I like it. So they're empty tombs, just like on Easter morning, it's an empty tomb. That's really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of baking traditions that I was not aware of. (laughs) Easter morning is sounding more and more delicious. Yes. And they love it, too, because they're just like, what happened to the marshmallow? And they know every year, but there's, like, no marshmallow in. But it's got to be, it's melted in there somewhere, right? It's yeah. It's, like, underneath, and you can still get all the sweet goodness out of it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Cool. So what, what other things do we need to think about or reflect on as we kind of wrap up this conversation about Holy Week? What are some of the other things that we should be um, thinking about or, or reflecting on as we go? Right. Um, well, you can set apart the whole week by maybe having like one little piece of cloth or your own tablecloth. Like a couple Christmases ago, I asked for tablecloths for everyone. I was like, everyone just get me tablecloths that reflect all the liturgical colors. Oh, nice. I know. I have them all except the rose. So Sarah Rose doesn't have a rose colored tablecloth. I know, right? So. We actually may or may not have a stack of them. So, <laughs> But... In Holy Week, the colors change a lot. Yeah. Because on Palm Sunday, it's red, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to purple. And then on Holy Thursday, that's a day that you can is white. Okay. And then Good Friday is red, but it also can be black. On Good Friday. On Good Friday. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Did I say the wrong word? I probably... No, I was just clarifying. You said it, right? It can and then be bla- Holy... I see. I didn't realize it could be black on Good Friday. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So it switches. A lot it. of people don't even know that black vestments and black... Like black is a liturgical color. Mm. It's commonly used. Well, it, historically, it was commonly used in funerals. Um, it's not done as much anymore, but every once in a while, you'll find a priest that likes to wear black vestments. So, but yeah, black is a liturgical color. Yeah, and I did not realize that Good Friday was one of the days it can be used, which yeah. totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Yeah, and then on Easter, jazz it all up with white and gold. Yeah, just make it totally different. So I haven't had a tablecloth on my dining room table all of Lent to symbolize the bareness, just like the church. That's mm-hmm. why I haven't worn any jewelry or anything. No, Sarah's doesn't have her giant earrings like she always wears because I'm just like, we're the temple, you know, yeah. and just like the church bare. So I'm ready to get some tablecloths out and decorations. <laughs> so Yeah, we always do. We, My wife, rather, not me, my wife. 
uh, usually has a runner in the middle of the table that is reflective of whatever's going on liturgically. So uh, during Lent, it's it always goes to very simple. It's just like a purple scarf that sits there with maybe like, I think we have a crucifix right now that's like got Jerusalem wood and a couple of stones from the Holy Land in it that sits in the middle. And that's about it, right? I think we used to have a picture of Jesus that had a crown of thorns, but it's not the best depiction of Jesus. It's It's almost a little bit creepy, so... <laughs> Not that it's, I would never say that about Jesus. It's just this particular piece of art was, it's a little scary. So <laughs> we stopped using it a couple of years ago. Um, awesome. So cool. So these are, uh, these are some really great ways that we can really bring Holy Week to life. Um, and I appreciate you coming in and taking the time to, to lay this out and uh, explain it to everybody. Well, you, you laid this out years ago, but uh, this is something that we're using with our family formation programs here in the parish. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to lay it out for us and and uh, help everyone bring this to life. So I hope everyone who's listening to this has a wonderful, uh, wonderfully fruitful Holy Week, a reverent Holy Week, uh, and then it truly brings you closer to the God who loved us enough to send his son to suffer and die and rise from the dead for us. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, know that your parish is praying for you. The staff here at the parish, they're praying for you this season, this week in particular. And uh, check us out in next week's episode. And uh, if we don't see you between now and then, have a happy Easter. Happy Easter.